according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless, and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our growth comes through the scriptures. Join me once again. It's been a couple of weeks now, but we are still in Proverbs uh, 18. And we're going to pick up with verse 14 this morning. I think we wrapped up everything that we were looking at in uh, verses 13 a couple of weeks ago. I appreciate getting the uh, the time off, and uh, Sharon and I got up to Kansas last week and visited with Ralph and Dorothy on Monday and Tuesday. We didn't know he was in the hospital until we got there. Uh, he was just put in the hospital that afternoon on Monday while we were driving. It's a 10-hour drive to get up there. And uh, so we get there and called, no answer, and we went and had dinner, and or we checked into our hotel and called again, no answer, and went and got dinner and called again, no answer, I thought, well, what's going on, you know, and then Mary Lynn, their youngest daughter, texted and, and let me know about the hospital. So anyway, we were able to go and visit, and uh, on Tuesday, even Dorothy was able to come over and visit, which was nice. They provided transport for her from the nursing home where she lives over to the to the hospital where, where Ralph was, and got a good visit there. And uh, anyway, so I have greetings from both Ralph and Dorothy to uh, to this flock, and they appreciate us praying for them as they pray for us every uh, every day. All right, well, Proverbs 18, as we looked at a couple weeks ago, verse 13 says, He who gives an answer before he hears, it is a folly and a shame to him. And... Uh, Yes, we went through the de- the points on that. We discussed how God is the only one who is omniscient. God uh, can give an answer before he's asked because God knows what we need before we even ask and uh, all the things there. But for us to try to presume to know these things ahead of time is is uh, presumptuous and wrong and it's a folly as it says. So, all right, we get to verse 14 then. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness, but as for a broken spirit, who can bear it? Before we get started, let's take a moment for silent prayer and call upon our Father to guide our study. Shall we pray? Almighty Father, we do come before you this morning, thankful for grace and truth, rejoicing in the blessings that we have to assemble together. We call upon your faithfulness once again to open the eyes of our understanding, to lead us into the truth of your word. We need truth, Father. And I thank you that you provide it and provide it abundantly. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. All right, so I expect we'll get through 14 because it's really a review of things we've taught before. And then verse 15, where we'll spend most of our time today, the mind of the prudent acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. And we have the dakath that's doubled up there with knowledge and knowledge in uh, in verse 15. So... Uh, but before we get to that, we've got the idea of sickness. And as we've seen before, this is point uh, four in the outline. As was previously seen back in chapter 15 and again in chapter 17, spiritual health has physiological effects. Spiritual health has physiological effects, positively and negatively. And uh, the, the psychosomatic illnesses that even secular medicine understands, uh, but the Bible speaks to this. The condition of our soul is the first thing we want to be concerned about. And then beyond that, physical health, beyond that, uh, earthly finances and other temporal life circumstances and details of life. 
But this is what we have here in this passage. The spirit of a man can endure his sickness. And so there's a value. If you have a strong spirit, that strong spirit will help you to endure. That the spiritual endurance will have a physiological effect in terms of enduring and surviving a certain sickness. Now we're not saying, we're not claiming this like a faith healer would claim this, that if you just have enough faith or you're spiritually strong enough, then you become bulletproof and immortal and you can survive cancer and overcome these other things. You and I still have fallen bodies in a fallen world, all right? So we're not going to pervert this, we're not going to twist this scripture, but we're also not going to ignore this scripture, you understand? So we don't abuse it but we interpret it and we accept it in the, within the, the context of how Proverbs is delivered. In other words, as a general rule, as a principle of life, that a strong spirit can endure, and this is uh, the benefit that's provided, can endure his sickness. And so you survive and you smile and you keep your eyes fixed on the Lord and you claim the promises and you know that though the outer man perishes, the inner man is renewed day by day. And uh, and so you still have the same sickness you, you had before, but it's better to endure it in fellowship than out of fellowship. And you can clearly uh, keep your eyes on the Lord and grow and benefit through, uh, through it all. And uh, plenty of examples for that. But at the second part of verse 14 then, Proverbs 18, 14. Um, so on the one hand, the spirit can endure his sickness, but what if he doesn't? What if the spirit is broken? As for a broken spirit, who can bear it? And uh, you know, it's it's curious. And and some folks, uh, you know, I don't know if my dad was this way or others. It just seems like there's things they could have overcome, but they just were tired of being here. They were tired of fighting it and lost their will to live. And when when the when the spirit has no interest in overcoming something that. You know, I think it has a physiological effect, and you stop fighting it, and uh, and we see an accelerated physical death in in many cases. So both sides of this, and it's this is like I say, it's the third time we've come to this because it was a doctrine we taught from back in chapter fifteen, and uh, returned to it again in chapter seventeen. Let's turn back there and glean some more of these, or just review. I don't know, at some point maybe um, we could put together a comprehensive study on uh, spiritual health, the dynamic of spiritual health and physical health. Proverbs 15, 13. A joyful heart makes a cheerful face, but when the heart is sad, the spirit is broken. And so here's uh, uh, really kind of the mechanics or the process. Well, how do you break your spirit anyway? Okay, uh, well, this, this is a clue. Uh, a, uh, when the heart is sad, that's the lave, the lavav in the Hebrew. This is the core of your being. It's not the blood pumping organ in your chest. It's the, it's the core of your being. What in Greek we would call cardia. It's the inner man, the innermost part of man. The core of who you are. And when that is sick, when that is sad, when that is sad, okay? And so we have sadness and we have sad experiences, but we can you know, accept those sad experiences and still rejoice in the Lord. We can rejoice in the Lord even in sad circumstances. So we can have an earthly sadness but we still have a spiritual joy. The problem is what times if we, what happens when we stop focusing on the Lord and we, we squash that spiritual joy? Well now we just doubled up on the problem <laughs> because now we have human sorrow and we have the sorrow to the heart. 
which I think is what the expression here speaks of. So when the heart is sad, then the spirit is broken. And that's uh, obviously uh, in defiance of what God provided for us. So you have the effects there. A couple verses later in verse 15, all the days of the afflicted are bad, but a cheerful heart has a continual feast. (laughs) And so yeah, you uh, you may have a bad day every now and then. You may have a string of bad days. What if you have nothing but bad days? All the days of the afflicted are bad. That still doesn't stop the fact that you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have eternal life, and you can keep your eyes fixed on Him. And no matter what the earthly circumstances are, even if every single day is a bad day, you still can have a cheerful heart with a continual feast. The the party never ends when you're in Christ, (laughs) right? The party never ends if you're just dwelling on the Lord and fixing your eyes firmly upon Him. Verse 30 of the same chapter. Bright eyes uh, gladden the heart. Good news puts fat on the bones. And uh, the bright eyes are the eyes full of light. Jesus even addressed this metaphor in some respects when he talks about the eyes being the lamp of the soul. And, the, and uh, what is it that we're looking to? Are, are we looking to the, uh, to the light of the Word of God? If we're looking to the light of the Word of God, then our eyes are going to be bright. And those bright eyes have an effect. So your uh, intake of the Word of God will have a spiritual effect on your soul. And when you neglect the Word of God, when your eyes aren't bright because you're not looking to the light, then that's going to have a darkening effect on your heart. And good news puts fat on the bones. That's a positive statement, by the way, that that, uh, we listen to the good news. uh, And that's, uh, that's our blessing every time we're in the Word of God. Chapter uh, 17. This wasn't that long ago, the end of chapter 17. A joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Very similar to to the verse we have today in chapter 18, because it shows the positive and it shows the negative. It shows the benefit to the joyful heart. Physiological benefits to having the joyful heart. And then to the detriment, a broken spirit with physiological uh, detrimental effects. Broken spirit dries up the bones. Now, again, we have the balance. We're not going wild on this. We're not going to uh, we're not going to blame somebody who's sick for not being cheerful enough. We're not going to you know call up Ralph and say why do you keep going to the hospital like that? You just need a cheerful spirit and uh, a joyful heart. That's good medicine. It's going to take care of this blood issue that the doctors are confused with. All right, so we understand. We have the general principles, but then there are additional considerations to deal with, like undeserved suffering in the fallen world and and uh, other things that can uh, that can impact our health in addition to our uh, spiritual attitude. All right, so we've previously seen it. It comes back again here. Spiritual health has physiological effects, and then in the New Testament, the verse I like to turn to a lot is Third John. Third John and verse two. I like turning there a lot because we rarely get to Third John, and uh, but it spells it out so succinctly here. The elder to the beloved Gaius, whoever that was, whom I love in truth, beloved, I pray that in all respects you may prosper and be in good health. 
Now if you end the verse there, you've lost sight of what the, the verse is actually saying. Okay? But if you end the verse there, pray that you may prosper and be in good health, you describe the typical prayer meeting. I mean, this is what people often focus on in their prayers. And we want, you know, we've got money issues, I need a job, I've got bills, other things, or health concerns and, and so forth. And uh, whatever ratio of, of prayers gets centered on prospering and being in good health, can we take it to end to the rest of the verse and realize that there is a there's a ratio that's being spoken of there, a scale, a standard, because it says just as to the degree that your soul prospers, just as your soul prospers. And so, you know, um, if you had to fill out a survey and say this is the this is the prosperity of my soul. And what is the, is it commensurate with the, uh, the prosperity of my health and, and things of that nature in any event? That you may prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. And so start with that. Make sure your soul is in good health. Make sure you're, in, you, you're, you're maintaining proper nutrition and proper exercise and proper rest and all the things that uh, the doctors will harangue you about for your physical body. Uh, you know, your pastor can harangue you about for your soul. And this is what we should be doing. We should uh, make sure that we're feeding our soul, that we're properly exercising our spiritual faculties, that, uh, that our soul would be in, in good prosperity there. Because spiritual health has physiological effects. This verse would even take it into financial uh, effects in the sense of, of personal prosperity. All right, so the principle on that. Not, uh, like I say, we've dealt with that before. I'm not going to dwell a ton on that here today. This is the slide that we're going to focus on. Verse 15. Because the heart of the prudent and the ear of the wise, that's both sides of this poetry here. There's an A and a B part of, of almost every verse in Proverbs. So verse 15a and verse 15b. You got the mind, the heart, really, not mind, but the lave, the heart of the prudent, and then the ear of the wise. The heart of the prudent and the ear of the wise. They never stop acquiring and seeking knowledge. Acquiring and seeking knowledge. And so um, really I kind of just rewrote verse 15 by mashing the A part and the B part together there. The spirit of uh, the uh, mind of the prudent, the heart of the prudent, acquires knowledge. Acquires. Remember the uh, doctrine that we taught in chapter 8? with uh, wisdom that was acquired. The Lord acquired me at the beginning of His ways before His works of old. The verb kana means to acquire. And it doesn't spell out how you get it. It doesn't, uh, it could be any mechanism of getting it. And you maybe you buy it, maybe you build it, maybe you birth it, maybe you steal it, maybe you, you just find it somewhere laying in, a, in the woods. Uh, but where, however it is that you, uh, you got it, you got it. That's the point. And so however we get doctrine, we should be getting doctrine. We should be getting knowledge. We should be increasing in our knowledge of God. I love that verb, kana. It doesn't say how to get it, it just says get it. The beginning of wisdom is acquire wisdom. And with your getting, get understanding. See. So kana shows up a lot in the book of Proverbs. 
and we should be acquiring wisdom. And even if we haven't got it yet, we keep listening. Because it may be that there's a message that's coming across and I can't quite get it. But the, the Holy Spirit is speaking. It says, he that has an ear, let him hear. And so the Holy Spirit is communicating to the local churches. And so the word is going forth. And I want to get it. And I'm not quite getting it yet. But I'm going to keep listening until I do. I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it again. I'm going to hear it again. And maybe, you know, the second time through, the third time through, the fourth time through, then I'm going to get it. And uh, trust in the Holy Spirit to, to make it real in my understanding. So I like both the A part and the B part on this. So the acquiring of knowledge and the seeking of knowledge, the ear that constantly seeks. And remember, what's the promise that Jesus gives us? Knock and it shall be open. Ask and ye shall receive. Seek and ye shall find. That uh, the Father is not in the business of hiding things. For those that seriously want the truth, that He will take them to the truth. If you seek, if you are humble for the truth, He's going to take you there. He's not going to give you a, a, a snake when you're asking for a fish. He's not going to give you a stone when you're asking for a loaf of bread. You're seeking the truth. He's the God of truth. He's not going to lead you astray. That's His faithfulness to, uh, to bless your seeking. Now, the doubling of Dachath here I find interesting. It's the only place in Proverbs where Dachath is, is doubled like this. But... Uh, while the emphasis in Proverbs is rightly on wisdom and understanding, as we saw, I mean, right here, the, the mind of the prudent and the ear of the wise, so there's prudence and wisdom there, that is the, the dominant theme of Proverbs. No one's going to question that Proverbs is wisdom literature. However, those qualities can never be cultivated apart from the knowledge of God through the knowledge of His Word. We're going to properly stress the place of knowledge in the process of wisdom. Because I think this gets abused. It gets abused in two different ways, and I'll explain that here. Um, We have to recognize knowledge, the gnosis, the facts, the information. And we don't limit ourselves to that. If you limit yourself to that, you're, you're in a system of arrogance. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. Understand that. So knowledge for its own sake, to just learn more to become a a know-it-all, that's not what we're doing. But the more we learn and the more we bring to application and the more that, that it fosters our reverence before God and the expression of that knowledge in love, that is how we can convert the knowledge into wisdom, into prudence, into understanding, into some of the other expressions that we have. Now Hebrew doesn't have all of the precision language that Greek has, so we're not going to talk about gnosis, epinosis, oida, sophia, some of these other things. But we do have basic nouns like hakmah for wisdom and banah for understanding, um, another word here for prudence. But we have uh, datnath is our word for knowledge. It is the, the thing that you know, the thing that you yadak. And if you yadak something, you know it. And the thing that you yadat is called datnath. And the datnath is knowledge. And it's curious to me. In fact, I wouldn't have, uh, before doing this study, if you'd have put a gun to my head and said, uh, what, what book in the Bible, has, what book in the Hebrew Old Testament has the most uses of datnath, uh, Proverbs would not have been my first guess. I don't think Proverbs would have been my tenth guess. 
Um, it's easy to guess Psalms because it's such a long book. <laughs> All right. But it's not even Psalms. Say, it's Proverbs. So the verb da'af, not the verb, the noun, da'af, D-A apostrophe A-T-H. And when you draw your apostrophe, make sure you draw your apostrophe hooking to the left instead of hooking to the right, because that's a different Hebrew letter. But da'af, the Strong's number is 1847. It's used 89 times in the Old Testament, and amazingly, 39 out of those 89 times are in the book of Proverbs. That just, that just floored me. I thought, wow, that's an attention getter right there. I even, um, if, you, if you like pictures, if you like the visuals, here's, here's a couple of visuals for you. You go, uh, I mean, most of those others are, are barely even register, okay? Twice in Genesis. Are you kidding me? Exodus, Numbers, I mean, those are all minimal usages. Proverbs, stands, you know, it's like a skyscraper, uh, skyscraper on the city skyline there, you know. You're looking out across the, the cityscape of the Bible and this one big tower sitting up there all by its lonesome and you go, wow, that gets your attention. It's the biggest building in town. Proverbs has 39 out of the 89 uses. After that it's Job with 11. Uh, Isaiah I think has uh, 8 and Ecclesiastes, by the way, was seven. That's interesting, because that's a much shorter book to have seven in, in uh, that shorter length. Anyway, so charts like that are useful. They, they help you realize, hmm, that's a big point of emphasis here. I should not miss that. I should make that point myself and then share that point with my flock. So there you have it. Then the bottom, that's, that's the top diagram I was talking about there. The bottom diagram, now that one's got a few more skyscrapers because that's the, that's the a diagram for just the book of Proverbs, all right? Proverbs 1 to Proverbs 30. And um, it's not every proverb. I think it's 22 of them. I didn't, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. All right, 21 out of Proverbs 31 chapters do have the vocabulary within it. And uh, you'll note here we are in chapter 18, it's not even one of the bigger ones. Chapter 1 has the most with four, and then uh, six other chapters have uh, three uses. Proverbs 18 has two uses. So th- that just shows you the placement for where knowledge comes about in Proverbs. And we're going to see those Proverbs here this morning. Because knowledge, knowledge is critical. Knowledge is critical. And this is where it gets abused. And this is where I think some uh, Christians that knock doctrine, they're knocking it for the wrong reason. And while we want to be on guard against the one extreme, the solution to the one extreme is not to run to the other extreme because that's just as wrong. Okay. And as I've already said, knowledge puffs up but love edifies. And so I understand that there are some doctrinal bullies in this world. And there are some uh, Bible-thumping um, uh, you know, scholars that, that know more than, than, or they don't know as much as they think they know, but they know more than a lot of other people. And they use that knowledge to, to beat up other people. That's nothing new. I mean, that's what the Pharisees were like in the first century. They, were, they, 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 they knew a lot of things from the Scriptures. They just uh, were arrogant about it and rejected the Christ. And so it's a good illustration for us to this day. 
The solution, though, is not to go to the other extreme and minimize your Bible study, minimize your doctrinal intake, minimize the amount of knowledge that you attain. And I've heard it, I've heard people tell me this, that they have enough, they know enough, that they've learned enough. And that really, um, you know, you go to an extreme and, and then you're just a fanatic and you're, you're studying it too much. And because you really don't need to know that much, in, you can know a very minimal amount and still have a walk that's pleasing to the Lord. Well, I will concede that believers with a minimal amount of doctrine can please the Lord within the, the perspective of where they are in their growth. A, a babe who knows just you know a handful of, of doctrines, who's just getting started in his Christian walk, yeah, he can please the Lord. Because he just got saved last week and he's learning his first basics and he's just getting a, a handle on some of the introductory realms of Scripture. And he has he, he would have a small quantity, we would say, but he's humble, he's he's applying it, he's and he's hungry to learn more. That's a key. All right. So he's pleasing to God, of course he's pleasing to God. But if he still has that same content a year later, two years later, ten years later. Do you think he's still pleasing to God 10 years later? If he has the same content he had 10 years ago? No, not at all. Because we're, the, the imperative is to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's not a time-limited imperative. That's continuous action. That's for the rest of our life. We're always here to be growing. So it bothers me. And, and sometimes they cloak it with love and they say, well, I don't need to learn more doctrine. I need to love more uh, Christians. I need to love more church members. I need to be more loving. Well, yeah, you do need to be more loving, but it's going to come as you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you can't separate it from the knowledge that feeds it. Otherwise, you just end up with what did Paul describe the Jews? He said they have a zeal but not in accordance with knowledge. And this is where I think a lot of the immature believers go when they want to substitute and they call it love, but it's really touchy-feely emotionalism. It's not agape. But they, uh, they, they minimize their doctrinal intake so that they can, quote-unquote, be loving on one another. And, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm the worst pastor to be preaching this because I'm, uh, I'm not the warm and cuddly guy that some people try to be. But it bugs me when they substitute sentiment, sentimentality for agape love. Because agape is not mushy. Alright. You'll see what I mean when we look at some of these other things. There's 39 usages, and I don't mind looking at all 39 of them here this morning. Um, and you'll see over and over and over again how the Proverbs emphasizes knowledge. Knowledge has to be the bedrock of wisdom. If you neglect the bedrock, you will never have wisdom. All right, so starting in Proverbs 1 and verse 4. Proverbs 1 is the chapter that has the most uses of dakat, that has four of the, of the 39 uses are right here in chapter 1. The purpose for this book, the purpose for writing it. As it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. And that's what I think the the phony people want to do. They just they want to they want to view the Bible as a handbook for you know helpful tips for a successful life or something. 
that uh, if I can just kind of be a good person, a moral person, a happy person, then I'll live a good life. And, and they just kind of want instruction in wise behavior. And uh, but they, do they want to know the deep things of the Father, the deep things of the Son, the deep things of the Holy Spirit? Do they want to know the whole counsel from Alpha to Omega? Then it says in verse 14, to give prudence to the naive, to the youth, path, knowledge and discretion. Knowledge and discretion. And to me, that's powerful. If you don't have the knowledge, you'll never have the discretion. They're, they're linked together in that way. And this is what the Word of God gives us. This is why we study the Word of God as often as we do. Why we should be living in the Word of God. Verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that, the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And if you think you've got enough, you think I've learned enough, and you think I'm good to go now for the rest of my time on this earth, I don't really need to know anymore, I know enough. You don't know enough. And you're actually a fool having plunged into a contentment that Satan is lulling you to sleep, thinking that, that you've got enough information available for whatever. I mean, what, what do you think you have? And what, what do you think you have, you can forget if you're not constantly studying anyway. Verse 22, how long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? At a certain point, you've got to grow up. You've been a baby long enough. Scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. That's something else. And only once in 25 years of pastoring has somebody told me this, but they've told me this to my face, that, um, that the, the doctrine at Austin Bible Church is too good and that because we're so well taught, we have such accountability that the angelic conflict is getting harder. So this person explained to me that they would rather go to a light and fluffy type church where the doctrine's not as deep so that the testing won't be as rough. They said that to my face. They walked out the door. I've never seen them since. I don't know where they are or what they're doing. Okay, but really? That's your solution? Let me tell you something. Yeah, the angelic conflict is rough, but I'll take that any day over God's divine discipline for disobeying His will for my life. How about that? In any event. So you're a fool if you hate knowledge, and if you're going to delight in scoffing, and if you're going to celebrate your spiritual ignorance, God's not celebrating it, I'll tell you that. He wants you to grow up. And the things given, see the secret things belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us and our children forever. We better be studying them and we better be passing them to the next generation. Verse 29, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. And that's a, in a different context there. All right, over to chapter 2, verse 5. We'll just read verses 1 through 5 here. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. In other words, be eager, be excited, be waiting for the next Bible class like some people are waiting for the next baseball game. You know, be, be eager about it, be on the edge of your seat, be thinking about it. Be, uh, you just can't wait till the next, uh, you know, whatever. Some people that are into baseball or they're into football or they're into some events, 
They can't wait. You know, ooh, when's the next Scrabble tournament coming up? And you're just, you're constantly, you're staring at the calendar, counting, marking off the days and saying, wow, okay, it's going to be on the 16th in Dallas. And you're marking off your calendar and you're just, that's the kind of eagerness, I'm not saying that's wrong, but your eagerness for doctrine better out, out exceed that. You better be more eager for the Word of God, seeking first the things of the Lord. So make your ear attentive, incline your heart to understanding. If you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discover, you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. See, all these other things that are connected from wisdom to understanding to discernment to wisdom, all these other things, you can't have them apart from the knowledge of God. The knowledge of Him and through His Word. Try to get wisdom without knowledge of God and what are you left with? You're left with the world's wisdom is what you're left with. Satan's wisdom, the wisdom from below. It's earthly, natural, demonic. For Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Verse 10, wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. If you try to separate wisdom from knowledge, you're just you're not following the program that God put into place. Knowledge is the bedrock upon which wisdom is built. Chapter 3 and verse 20, by his knowledge the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. Isn't that interesting? This is God's knowledge. It goes with verse 19, uh, Proverbs three nineteen. The Lord by wisdom founded the earth. By understanding he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps were broken up and the skies drip with dew. So uh, you get a good tandem of verses here that talk about, you know, it's like Genesis. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and then what? The earth was formless and void, and then what? Well, this is a process, and it's spelled out for us in terms of God's knowledge, God's um, uh, wisdom, God's understanding, and then God's knowledge the deeps were broken up. Chapter 5, verse 2. My son, give attention to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding, that you may observe discretion, and your lips may reserve knowledge. Parents just cry out for their kids to stay in the Word of God. Whatever else you do with your life, I don't care if you become a doctor, a lawyer, an Indian chief, a truck driver, I mean, a ditch digger, whatever you want to be. Your secular career is irrelevant compared to seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. If you're living in the Word of God, that's the issue. Proverbs 8, verses 9, 10, and 12. Proverbs 8. Verses 9, 10, and 12. Hmm. Verse 8 says, uh, All the utterances of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands. And they are right to those who find knowledge, to those who find da'ath. Take my instruction and not silver, and knowledge rather than choicest gold. If it's an either-or, 
when push comes to shove and you have to you can only have one I wonder how many believers make the right choice and how many believers compromise and they they uh, they neglect doctrine for material advancement career achievements or whatever else if it's one or the other you can't have if you can't have both doctrine first for wisdom is better than jewels and all desirable things cannot compare with her verse 12 says i wisdom dwell with prudence and i find knowledge and discretion this is what we're called to do chapter 9 and verse 10 the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is understanding I think we emphasized this back in the chapter 9 material, but remember, uh, I think a lot of the, the reason why, the reason why the Pharisees couldn't understand what Jesus was saying, they didn't know God. They weren't even saved. It, uh, the, the, the best benefit you're going to have to taking knowledge and making it understanding is knowing God, as we see here. The knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And in some cases, you know, people say, well, this is a tough text. This is a real tough text. Um, they talk about, uh, oh, I don't know, some of the, the, uh, the warfare passages in Joshua or Judges. They talk about some of the Old Testament imperatives to, to uh, crush their enemies. And, uh, and they, uh, some folks uh, say, that's, that's a tough passage. I, I'm not really sure I understand why those things are in our Bibles. Well, do you know who God is? Do you know the righteous God, the just God, the jealous God? Do you know the evil those people were involved in? Do you know the idolatry they were involved in? Do you know the child sacrifice they practiced? You know, and they, they, they talk about some of the, the cruelties of they claim, oh, it was, a, it was a genocide and they were driving... You know, they didn't have to die. They could have fled. They could have lived elsewhere. They could have gone their merry way. The ones that stayed in the land of promise, yes, they were killed. They were commanded to be killed. And in some respects, how merciful is that? The fact that uh, God cut short their idolatry and cut short their, their, uh, their great evil. Different aspects there. Anyway, if you struggle to understand what a text is saying, ask yourself, do I know God? Because knowledge of the Holy One gives a great understanding and clears up a lot of issues that some people struggle with. Anyway, that's a good verse there. That's Proverbs 9 and verse 10. Proverbs 10, 14. Wise men store up knowledge, but with the mouth of the foolish, ruin is at hand. Yep, there's the contrast. Chapter 11 and verse 9. With his mouth, a godless man destroys his neighbor. But through knowledge, the righteous will be delivered. The value of knowing truth, the value of knowing God, the, the rescue that it provides when you have that knowledge. Chapter 12 and verse 1, whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. <laughs> Good sanctified name calling there in the Bible, I love it. But really, it may be that uh, part of the carnal, and it's all carnality. I mean, if you if if you're saved, why would you not just 
love every bite, every morsel, every everything that, that God gives. Well, it's carnality. Your eyes are not where they're supposed to be, and you're you're not thinking God's thoughts and uh, and so forth. Plus, the fact that it takes discipline. You don't want to submit to the to the parental discipline of the Word of God. That the more knowledge you obtain, the more you realize, man, my. I'm, I need I need to make some changes in my walk, <laughs> and I'm not as uh, I'm not as uh, whatever as I think I am. God's working off these rough edges, and there's more rough edges than I thought. And uh, wow! And so there's the discipline to studying to show yourself approved. There's a discipline in the Word of God. It's called the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We're all growing in it. And uh, if you hate reproof. If you don't like the Bible just chewing you out for the things you, that should be chewing you out over, well, that's an arrogance issue and you're going to struggle with, uh, with your knowledge. You can't pick and choose. The Bible's not golden corral. You can't just pick and choose the things you find tasty. All right, You take the whole counsel of the Word of God. Also verse 23 of chapter 12. A prudent man conceals knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaims folly. You want to conceal it, you want to treasure it in your heart, you want to take the Word of God and make it personal, make it intimate. 13.16 Every prudent man acts with knowledge, but a fool displays folly. Yeah, I'd say it's pretty interesting. Um, You can observe in the application um, when you watch the decisions that believers make and you just ask yourself, wow, did you not know any better? <laughs> or are you ignoring what you know to be true? Either way, you shouldn't be doing what you're doing. <laughs> that's, that's the truth of it. And, uh, but you, you watch, and, and you watch brothers and sisters and, and, and they're making lifestyle choices or they're doing, they're doing different things and you just go, wow, wisdom and knowledge will not have you on that path. What are you doing there? You either didn't acquire the knowledge, but you should have, because it was taught, or you acquired it and you chose to suppress it. You chose to suppress the truth. And uh, Romans 1 talks about suppressing the truth. And uh, when God gives you over at that point, that's, that's not where you want to be. In chapter 14, we've got verse 6, verse 7, and verse 18. A scoffer seeks wisdom and finds none, but knowledge is easy to the one who has understanding. You know, and this is the guy that's faking it. This is the guy that says, well, I searched the Scriptures, I don't see my answers in here. And did you really search? Were you humble before the Word of God? You didn't find it because you didn't want to find it. You say, well, the Bible doesn't really say, so I'm free to do what I want to do. Oh, the Bible does say. That's not an issue of Christian liberty. That's a, that's a sin issue and you're ignoring the passages that say it's a sin issue. And it's easy to the one who has understanding. Verse 7 says, leave the presence of a fool or you will not discern words of knowledge. That's, that's, uh, you realize if you're associating with those fools, uh, it's going to impact your own capacity to understand the Word of God. That foolishness rubs off. And the longer you spend with the fools, the harder it's going to be for you to, to understand truth when, uh, when you hear it. Verse 18 of the same chapter. The naive inherit foolishness, but the sensible are crowned with knowledge. Crowned with knowledge. How much, how much knowledge do you have to acquire before it's a crown on your head? 
chapter 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge acceptable, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. You kind of get the idea that knowledge is a big deal here. Verse 7, the lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the hearts of fools are not so. The marvelous thing about knowledge is it's a wealth multiplier. It's just you, you, don't, have, you don't have to hoard it or keep it to yourself. In fact, it's better that you don't. Uh, if the, what you learn in the Word of God, share it. Share it with your 50 closest friends. Because the, the, the more you share it, the more you talk about it, the more you communicate it to others, first of all, it reinforces it in your own understanding, but uh, you're just multiplying it because somebody that you're, you're sharing it with can return back to you and say, oh wow, that's great, that connects with this other thing that I learned. And you put the two things together and, you come, and you're able to pool that knowledge together and see how they interrelate. So uh, spread it around, spread knowledge. It's not top secret, it's not classified. Anything you get in Bible class today, you know, share it with whoever wants to hear it. It's, uh, it's the marvelous thing about it. Freely you receive, freely you give. Verse 14 of chapter 15 here, it says, uh, the mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on folly. Of course, uh, 1727 was not that long ago. We were in chapter 17. He who restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Hopefully we learn enough doctrine that we learn how to keep our mouth shut at the right occasion. <laughs> and we don't, uh, you know, when you're young you think you can fix everything and answer everything and then uh, the more you learn you start to say, you know, that's pearls before swine. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to restrain some things here just as an aspect of, uh, of understanding. Twice in chapter 18 and verse 15, this is the only verse, the one we're looking at today, is the only verse that doubles up Dakath. It uses Dakath twice in the in the A portion and the B portion. Some, you know, usually it's parallel with something else. Yet knowledge and understanding or knowledge and wisdom or knowledge and insight or knowledge and something. Uh, but here it's knowledge and knowledge. It's doubled up. It's the heart that acquires and it's the ear that seeks. And it's knowledge in both the A part and the B part of this poetry. Chapter 19 Three uses there. Verse 2, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. Let me back up. Verse 1 says, better is a poor man who walks in his integrity than he who is perverse in speech and is a fool. Also it is not good for a person to be without knowledge and he who hurries his footsteps errs. The, the problem of ignorance and the, and the issues that it brings up. And, uh, and so, you know, uh, well, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I'm in a hurry, so I'm going to do something. You know, right or wrong, I'm just, you know, well, wait a minute. If you don't know what to do, then what are you doing? Stop. Listen on the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Uh, you can, if, you're, if you're missing knowledge, that, we can remedy that. Ignorance can be fixed. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be open. Ask and ye shall receive. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without reproach. If you find yourself in a place here where you are without knowledge, well then just stop what you're doing and get the knowledge that God's given. Come alongside. Find older believers. Find men of wisdom. Don't just hurry your steps and say, well I don't have time for that. <laughs> you don't have time to not get that. You've got to stop and get that. 
It says 19.2. How about 19.25? Strike a scoffer and the naive may become shrewd, but reprove one who has understanding and he will gain knowledge. Appreciate that. We, we, should, we should love the reproof. We should love the, the, the tough messages, the hard-hitting messages. Like uh, those two old school preachers we listened to Sunday morning on that video. I mean, you talk about a couple of old hard-nosed German preachers and they just hit it. They hit it hard. And I appreciate that. Verse uh, 27. Cease listening, my son, to discipline and you will stray from the words of knowledge. That's, a, that's just the consequence. It's a warning. Cease listening, my son, to discipline. And then I wonder too if maybe sometimes this becomes the issue that the idea of disciplined authoritative instruction there's a lot of resistance to that. I think the anti-authority, there's a spirit that's why home churches are popular they don't want to submit to a pastor, that's why uh, more of the entertainment model is, is uh, popular because well, you know make it more enjoyable, make it more of a game make it more fun and when you remove the discipline component of the disciplined instruction of the Word of God, what are you doing? If you stop listening to discipline, you're straying from the words of knowledge. Chapter 20 and verse 15. There is gold, well, I love verse 14, that's our verse for capitalism, Bad, bad, says the buyer, but when he goes his way, then he boasts. <laughs> and uh, sure, you know, the, the seller always wants the higher price and the buyer always wants the lower price. And so, you know, you haggle and you bargain and you get the best price you can. And you obviously you want the, the, the cheapest price you can get away with, but then if it's too cheap, you've got to wonder, wait a minute, <laughs> am, I, am I getting a cheap product for, my, for this cheap price? And then the seller... Of course, he wants the top dollar for what he can get. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Verse 15, there is gold and abundance of jewels, but the lips of knowledge are a more precious thing. Better than gold. Chapter 21, verse 11. When the scoffer is punished, the naive becomes wise, but when the wise is instructed, he receives Knowledge. That's real close to what we saw in chapter 19. Chapter 22, verse 12, the eyes of the Lord preserve knowledge, but he overthrows the words of the treacherous man. You know, if uh, as long as the uh, United States remains a place where the Word of God can be freely taught, do you think God's going to have a preserving uh, blessing upon this land? What is the purpose of freedom? What is the purpose of of God's nearness in a, in a population, as Acts 17 describes, that they may seek God. That's a good proverb to attach to that. What was that one? That was 22.12? got to remember that one. Verse 17, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. It takes work. An inclined ear and an applied mind For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, that they may be ready on your lips. They may be ready on your lips. It's pretty easy to tell who's living in the Word of God. Just ask them, hey, well, where's your scripture reading this morning? What verse have you been in? What, what passages have you been dealing with? You know, and, and oh well, 
I didn't get to it this morning. Okay, well, what was the verse you looked at yesterday? You know, and and just find. And if you find with some people, it's like pulling teeth. You know, can you give me any kind of verse? Jesus wept anything? Have you memorized anything? And uh, and yet you find, boy, they can they can talk about uh, baseball, football. They can talk stats on whatever. They can tell you the latest latest thing on Fox News. They can give you the rundown on you know. And it doesn't take long. Because where their treasure is, there their heart will be also. And you find that you know they can talk. They can talk Scrabble, you know, for hours on end, but they can't talk Scripture to save their life. Well, if it's uh, if you're living in the Word of God, it's an easy thing to talk about. And and really, if if you if you love it, you can talk about it. You know, anything you love, you can talk about. Chapter, uh, let's see, verse 20. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge? Counsels and knowledge. I don't know, this whole paragraph is marvelous here. So again, let me just fix on this. We're almost out of time, but 17 through 21. Look, isn't this a beautiful paragraph? Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your mind to my knowledge. For it will be pleasant if you keep them within you, that they may be ready on your lips, so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have taught you today, even you, have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge to make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may correctly answer him who sent you? That whole paragraph centers on the Christian way of life and why we're learning the word of God. That I... You know, if, if you're uh, weak in the faith, well, where does faith come from? From hearing and hearing by the word of God. Get strong in the faith. Get build up your knowledge and see the benefit that it has to your faith, to your walk before the Lord. All right. Then the last of these in chapter twenty-three and verse twelve says, "Apply your heart to discipline, and your ears to the words of knowledge." It's an application. Notice their Redeemer is strong. He will plead their case against you. Apply your heart to discipline and your ears to words of knowledge. That's 23, 12, 24, verses 4 and 5. And these are almost the last uses of Dotnath. It's interesting to me. In that Hezekiah portion from chapters uh, 25 to 29, the scriptures that they added later, in uh, you know 200 years after Solomon, none of those included Dachath. Dakath is all in the in the uh, this early portion. Twenty four four. Four and five. Verse three says, "By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches." What a metaphor! You build this glorious house, but it's unfurnished. <laughs> you know, do you want to fill that house or not? You need knowledge. Da'ath. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. A wise man is strong and a man of knowledge increases power. So there's a tandem here between wisdom and knowledge. And if you try to separate knowledge you've lost the bedrock that wisdom can, uh, can operate. Then nothing in chapter 25, 26, 27, 28, 29. One final use of, of Da'ath in the Proverbs is Proverbs 30 and verse 3. And, uh, and it's really almost uh, in passing. The words of Augur, the son of Jacob, the oracle, 
whoever he is. Uh, the man declares to Ithiel, to Ithiel and to Ukul, whoever they are, surely I am more stupid than any man, and I do not have the understanding of a man. Neither have I learned wisdom, nor do I have the knowledge of the Holy One who has ascended into, who has ascended into heaven and descended, who has gathered the wind in his fist. So he's asking some, you know, for a guy that claims to not know anything, he's asking some good questions here. And, uh, a lot of blessings here. I'm out of time, but who has ascended into heaven and descended? Who has gathered the wind into his fist? Who has wrapped the waters in his garment? Who has established all the ends of the earth? What is his name or his son's name? Surely you know. <laughs> Man, there's some doctrine in that. So whoever Augur the son of Jacob is, he's got a good chapter here. We're going to have some fun with that. Okay, well we're out of time, but this is what we're looking at. The heart of the prudent, the ear of the wise, they never stop acquiring and seeking knowledge. If you think you've learned it all, then you don't have to come back tonight. But uh, if you think there's more to learn, we're going to come back this evening and we'll be in Colossians. Thank you, Father, for your truth. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for teaching us. Thank you for giving us the blessing of seeing 39 verses in Proverbs this morning. And, uh, and we appreciate the impact the concentration of that math that the book of Proverbs has. And I pray that we would embrace the knowledge, the true knowledge, the full knowledge, gnosis and epinosis of who you are. All these things from your word, they're given for our edification. We want to know them, we want to live them. So Father, uh, open our eyes to these truths as we present ourselves before you, workmen needing not to be ashamed. We thank you, Father, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.